Hello and welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph Allister. You're locked into the Mile High Hockey Podcast. It's the free agency wrap-up edition. Coming up on the show, we'll take a look at the moves the Colorado Avalanche did and didn't make, uh, address a few nasty rumors, and hopefully not sneeze too much. My sinuses are a disaster today. Sorry in advance. Join me in welcoming, as always, the disembodied voices of Earl 06. What's up, Earl? Hi. And Ryan Murphy. Hey, Ryan. I guess... So as we ran through, as we run through these contracts, let's assign them grades, and then obviously we'll explain ourselves. So uh, A is outstanding, B is a good deal, C is fine, D is a bad deal, and F is trading for and extending Brad Stewart. Make sense? <laughs> <laughs> That's only an F. <laughs> it doesn't go any lower than F. Oh, it should. At least you've gone to some need to. school that gives you a Z or something. <laughs> Z minus. Kicked out. <laughs> That's an expulsion, if only. So Colorado's biggest need after the expansion draft was to get themselves an NHL goalie, and that they did by bringing in Jonathan Bernier. It's one year and $2.75 million. What do y'all think? I like it. I don't have to like it a whole lot, but I do like it. I mean, if I were signing a grade right away, I'd be giving it, you know, C+. Plus. Uh, I don't think he's nearly as good or as valuable of an asset as he was a couple of years ago, but uh, as a backup goalie with a, a guy that started for long stretches of time, I think he's useful to this team, and I like the one-year contract. It seems the front office is learning. Yeah, and I, I'm a little more optimistic on it. I, I'll give it a B. He took a big pay cut. He only took one year, and... Uh, you know, I kind of see some of the same problems with him as as Calvin had last year. So I don't know if it's an upgrade, but you know, for one year, why not? Yeah, it's a prove me contract, and I love prove me contracts. I do too. It's gonna. It's a little bit of a theme that we've kind of seen going through this off season for Colorado. Um, I am. I'm calling it a C now with B upside um, because. <laughs> Right now, I mean, Colorado needs to get a backup goalie, and this is fine. It's kind of expensive for a backup goalie um, is the only downside here. But with the last couple of seasons that we've seen out of Simeon Varlamov, but between time out injured and time just on the struggle bus, um, I think it's really useful to have somebody like Bernier and who can – step right back into that starter role that he's filled before to, you know, to good effect. Mm-hmm. His, uh, his career numbers are not, um, not too shabby at all. His highest, uh, save percentage season was all the way back in 2012, actually, when he posted a 9-2-2 across 14 games. But as a starter, he's, no, it was actually the next year when he had a 9-2-3. I can't read. Look at that. <laughs> Must be those sinuses. Must be those sinuses. Um, <laughs> He, yeah, across 55 games with the Leafs, he posted a 9.23, and then the next year was a 9.12, the next year after that was a 9.08, so. Yeah, well, as much as he struggled last year, you know, or I guess the last two years, really, I mean, he still posted a 9.15 save percentage last year, yeah. and that would be a huge improvement for the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, that's about league average, so, I mean, that's that's the league average with, with good starter upside, that's... A decent deal for two seven five. For me, the only thing that keeps it as a starting point as a C is that that's a almost three million dollar backup goalie, and uh, 
I, I didn't realize we were the Dallas Stars. <laughs> would you guys, I don't know, would, who do you see as a, as a B signing out of that pool? You know, was there a B signing available or an A even? Oof. Probably not. Uh, probably yeah, that's kind of why I gave it a B. It's just, you know, for what we could have done to ourselves, you know, that, that was pretty good. Yeah, but when, when you I, I think... the deal that Condon got in Ottawa, that was kind of where we were, were looking at the end of the last show. And, yeah. And your, your quick reaction to that was, oh, well, you can have him then. Yeah, pretty much. I'm not signing him for three years. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it just, you know, for, for what was available, I think Bernier <laughs> at 275 for one year, I, I, I'm not sure you could do much better than that. Right. I like the term first and foremost. And I think that's probably what I give it a higher than a C, which is probably what I would grade the player out as. I like the deal slightly more than that because it's not long-term commitment. Sure. You're paying them this year, but you got the money for it. Use your cap space. Right. Right. I definitely agree with that take as well. I'm a very outspoken critic of long-term for goalies. Um, so one year is perfect for me. And uh, in the comments, I actually kind of laid out a couple of different ways this might play out. And none of them are bad, really. Uh, some of them are worse than others, or are better than others, but none of them are really bad. Like, because either, either he and Varlamov are both really good, and that probably puts the team, like, in the eighth playoff spot or something. So that's not bad. And then you end up either ex- extending one or the other, or trading one or the other, or you're in the backup market again next summer. Like, that's not that big of a deal. Or What if you get assets for Bernier at the deadline? I mean, that'd be huge. Yeah, if they're both good, you can... Oh, I mean, that would require Sackick to make a move that involves a big-name player. Uh-huh. also requires Spencer Martin and being able to handle backup duties for two months. Right. Right. Th- that was kind of one of my angles, too, is that it's... If this one-year deal makes you think Spencer Martin is about a year out in their estimation, which is tough to say since they just hired their goalie coach this week, but right, <laughs> but, we'll get uh, to that. Yeah, um, <laughs> another outcome is that Varley's good and Bernier's not, which is like not that big of a difference from what we've been seeing. And then Bernier is free agent again next summer, and they're back in the backup market. Oh well. Another outcome is that. Farley's bad and Bernier's good, in which case, cool. You've picked up a pretty good goaltender for that scenario. Worst case is Varley's hit kind of goes away, oh, end of October. Bernier's the starter and can't handle it, and we're in trouble. And then you're a a bad team that expects it to be bad, so, oh well. Yeah. There's there's not a whole lot of downside to this, but it's just... it's just a lot of money tied up into your goaltending that may or may not be very good. Yeah. So here's a good question. Do you think he looks like the player in Anaheim who's kind of a league average goalie, or does he look like the player in Toronto who really struggled in front of a bad team? He, he also had seasons where he didn't struggle at all in Toronto. I think he's just a goalie. Yeah. I think, it's, I think he's voodoo because he's yeah. a goalie who's not named Carey Price. I mean, with a new goalie coach coming in, you know, that could rejuvenate his cre- uh, career. I mean, you know, th- there's a lot of a lot of things that we don't know yet that could play out. Yeah, for sure. So, 
we we all kind of seem to put that in the low B area when we average everything together. I think. Yep, I'd say so. The Avs were also able to bring home an extension for Sven Andrighetto, who joined the team via trade from Montreal and promptly stunned everybody by scoring a ton of points. This one's for two years at one point four million each. The first year's one and a quarter, and the second year's just over one and a half. He's still an RFA at the end of this deal. Perfect. <laughs> uh, I mean, granted, he's got to re- somewhat resemble the player he looked like last year, but uh, perfect term, uh, perfect salary, in my opinion. I, I think he earned it, and uh, I'm interested in seeing what he could do again next year with this team. I'd, I'd give it a B, maybe a B minus, just because it, it's it's a raise based on 20 games, but <clears throat> um, it seems like. What we saw at the end of last year is the player he should be, given the kind of time that he was at, at that point. Um, you know, if he doesn't end up staying in the top six, then it becomes a little less attractive a deal. I want to throw an A at this one just because of the progress. Um, I could see his couple of months that he had last season giving, you know, seeing the front office throw a 4 by 4 at him a couple of years ago. I can, yeah. I, I can see him sitting in a David Jones money not that long ago. So <laughs> Based on 20 games. <laughs> yeah, based on 20 games. I would not have been surprised at all by that in late 2014. So um, this is this is a deal that I'm very happy with, too. I've, I've, I don't think the risk is that big. It's, only, it's a two-year deal. If he crashes back to where he was with Montreal, it's a million and a half. Like, it's not... Uh, everything adds up. But that little contract isn't going to totally tank your cap situation. So, and I love the fact that he's RFA afterward. Yes. I mean, you still have control over him even after the contract's over. If he earns another one, you still got first rights. Yes, it's a very um, team-friendly deal from that perspective, and it's also a very player-friendly deal. Like he's got two years to prove himself. He's bet on himself with this. It's not quite the PK Subban bridge level of bet on yourself, but he's. Definitely bet on himself here. Yeah, it's a nice bridge. It's one way. He's you know he's got some security. So I think I think what he really wanted when he came to Colorado was to find a home, and, and the, the the abs pretty much showed him that he's got one. <laughs> Another thing that I liked about this was how quickly it got done. This seems to be something that they prioritized. Um, obviously, it's a little bit easier than some of the other deals that aren't done yet, which we'll get to, but. Um, I, I like that this was one that they got to quickly because this is exactly the kind of player that they are looking for to fill out their bottom six and uh, do spot duty in their top six. Like, this is the forward depth you need. Mm-hmm. So, I'm pretty chuffed with the Andrew Ghetto extension. Sounds like there's no uh, no unhappiness with this one. Not at all. No dissenting opinion. We'll slip on then. So for more forward depth, Colorado stepped away from the free agency market and actually made a trade involving Nashville and a forward. But not Matt Duchesne, uh, as a fake Bob McKenzie account got a lot of us with. Don't retweet fake Bob McKenzie's. Come on. 2017. Blob McKenzie. That's who it was. I thought it was Bob McKenzie. <laughs> But anyway, the Avs that was Earl 08. 
Good old Earl 08. <laughs> Everybody's best friend, Earl 08. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, I was sent a fourth-round pick the year after next to the Preds in exchange for Colin Wilson. And this one divided people a little bit. Well, uh, clearly, I think the Avalanche can use the player coming back. I think any controversy stemmed from what the Avalanche gave up for him, which is, again, a fourth-round pick in the future, which, uh, you know, the organization has proven to have burned through these, like, you know, kindling. I mean, they do not care about having a third, fourth-round picks. And that's the problem. I don't know if anybody would debate whether or not uh, it's helpful or useful to have, you know, Wilson on this team. Uh, he's easily going to fill in a middle six role. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm on record as not liking this. Um, I, I, I'm not sure I see the point of it other than, you know, you, you just you need you need some guys like this to fill out the roster. Um, he's expensive. If this had been an extra fourth round pick, I wouldn't have any problem with it. But it just, you know, it goes back to, you know, giving away picks that you don't have extras of um, to fill out current roles, and it just sort of speaks to a lack of a plan. You can say like, well, just it's, you know, in this case, it makes a lot of sense, but you know, it just it, it never stops. So, mm-hmm. you know, well, once, once they start. You know, having excess picks, I'll be fine with doing things like this. That's why you have excess picks. So when you can get a Colin Wilson for a fourth, you just do it and you don't affect your draft stock. But um, Right, but- and I'm not willing to put a complete value judgment on this trade yet just because I think until we see what happens at the end of it when the Avalanche trade them away, uh, we can't, you know, get a clearer idea of what this is exactly. Uh, he's the type of player that's going to be very valuable at a trade deadline. If not this year, then definitely the following year. Um, because I mean, he's just a good player. There's so many other outcomes than that that could happen. I mean, they could, you know, he could play well and they'd want to re-sign him and not trade him away. And that would probably be a mistake, you know, unless it's, you know, unless he's willing to take a two or three year deal. He's getting old. Um, or he played <laughs> really bad and he has no value at the trade deadline two years from now. So right injury something. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's there's, you know, there's, there's some downside with this, but again, when you just look at it, like, Hey, you know, you got a fourth round pick in one hand and Colin Wilson in the other, then it, you know, it looks fine, but, um, it just, you know, it just speaks to a lack of plan going forward. Um, but well, the other part about this that I like is introducing a veteran voice in the locker room, a new veteran voice who's actually good. And this team needs that. The young players need that desperately. Uh, it, it's hard to grow up without you know good influences in that locker room. And I, I just think that uh, somebody who can produce and drive play uh, will really help out their younger players. I mean, they have to have a guy like this. I agree. Um, I, you know, I, again, it's just <clears throat> when you just look at this trade in a vacuum, it looks great. But, um, you know, I, I really have some misgivings about it. But, I, you know, I hope they don't come to fruition. Yeah. I mean, at what point does that trade start looking good to you? What if it's a fifth round pick in the same year? It's, I don't know if I could put a scenario on it. it just if if it doesn't end up mattering that we traded a fourth for Colin Wilson, then then I'll be happy. But it's just 
you know, a, a bunch of things have to happen, you know, in the next two years. Mm-hmm. To really say whether I like this or not. Obviously, in a vacuum, the deal's a good one. I don't think there's yeah. anybody who's trying to debate that. Um, not and, at all. And that was where I started from, was from the in the vacuum perspective. But as I've done, like, and read and listened quite a bit, um, I'm, I'm never going to move as far to the other side as the people who are just, like, yelling at Joe for even considering to move a draft pick for somebody. Um, it's like, uh, you don't need to be that absolutist about things. You can still applaud a good move. Um, but... I, I do, I have come more around to that perspective of, like, why? Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, having the having a veteran voice in, in the locker room to help kind of mentor some of these young guys is not a bad thing. Uh, he's a, he's, he's not, he's still a very useful player. It's not like he's an old, slow pylon, um, not to name any names. Um, <laughs> but, like, he's... He's still a useful player. He's just came, just got out of the cup final. I mean, this is somebody who's got experience to share with some of the younger guys who are joining the forward core this this year, like JT Comfer and AJ Greer and Tyson Jost. Um, but uh, at the same time, th- this is a team that needs to be adding draft picks, not subtracting. Um, I I'm not one who thinks the fourth round is a very valuable pick. Um, mostly because it isn't. Every, once you get past pick 100, things fall off in a hurry. But uh, Yeah, but th- I mean, you look at who we, you know, you look at how the draft went for the Avs this year. Mm-hmm. You got Kvacha the goalie. You know, he may be nothing, but it, he might turn out to be something good. You know, it's a lottery ticket. Um. You know, and then you had Nick Henry, and you know that could end up being a really good pick too. So that's know. what all draft if picks are. You have lots of fourth round picks. <laughs> you're going to do well there. If you have none, you won't. Yeah. <laughs> so. when, when, once you get to about the bottom half of the second round, it all becomes you just want to have as many balls in the pot as possible in the hopes Precisely. that one of them comes out in your favor. So yeah. um, is a fourth isn't extremely valuable, and even bumping up to a third isn't extremely valuable either is it a whole lot different from a sixth or seventh not really um but you don't you don't load up your your shotgun with one little pellet either right i mean the avalanche have had trouble for the past you know their entire history i guess we could say of just not having enough pellets and uh that's the troubles that their farm system have right now are directly because of that you just don't have enough guys, you know, in the third to seventh rounds that are just filling in uh, supplementary roles, like on the AHL. I mean, they're hardly signing anybody from a lot of these drafts. I mean, you just don't have people that are coming up through your entire system. Yeah, and I mean, it's hurt the NHL team. We just look at the third round this year. I mean, you know, that was a higher than average third round pick, obviously, because we let off the round, but. You know, just getting rid of that for Eric Jelena, and you, you just, you know, at the time you're like, oh, man, you know, it's a third. It's, thirds don't make the NHL. And then it's like during the draft, you're sitting there looking at who's available at pick number 63, and you're like, you know, we really could have done better than Eric Jelena right now. <laughs> Team was in a different place. We're going yeah. straight to the cup, man. 112 <laughs> points. <laughs> God. 
If fans of struggling franchises, please don't ex- hope that your team suddenly wins the division because, <laughs> boy, does that lead to bad decisions. Yep. Yes. <laughs> um, last year, Colin Wilson, 35 points in 70 games. Yep. Only, only 18 penalty minutes, which is pretty good. He's no Blake Como. <laughs> he had that about a one-week stretch, didn't he? He's about a 12% career shot, if you guys aren't familiar with him. He's uh, always been a positive possession player, with the exception of 2013-14, when he was only 49.3 shock in the pollen. Yeah, he, he's, he does a lot of work close to the net, which is nice. Yeah, some of this team is sort of yeah. lacking. That's why, that's why I'm the down, like, like the team level franchise direction downside is not humongous for me because the player fills a hole that the Avalanche have so well. Yeah. His first assist metric is almost off the charts. It's elite. Uh, I mean, his first assist percentage, you know, according to Own the Puck, is like 90th percentile. I would be curious uh, to see um, accurately, because it doesn't exist accurately right now, uh, but I would be curious right. to see where those first assists came from, like how many of them are rebounds that someone else puts home or um, mm-hmm. you know, pa- passes off the pads, those kinds of things. Cause that's the, well, stirring uh, up trouble, right? Right. Just, just making it chaotic for the defense. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I haven't seen him play enough to say, but you know, that that's where AJ Greer gets a lot of his assists. Is he standing in front, passes off the pads, or takes a shot, some goes somewhere, and someone puts it in, yada yada. So, you know, it, this could help AJ, you know, as a, as a young version of this guy, maybe. Um, you know, that that would be nice. So. I put this one as a pretty solid C because it helps the team quite a bit, but it's also a, a pointer. Point. It also points at a mindset that's not awesome. Yeah, I'll go along with that. Yep, I, I might bump it to a C plus, but I'm right in the same range. God, y'all remember the C plus B minus fights from player grades? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> this gave me a nasty flashback there. Right. Ugh. So surprisingly, Colorado also went out and signed former first overall and perennial, perennial disappointment, um, Niall Yakubov, or as we know him in North America, Neil Yakupov. He also gets a one-year deal. Um, this one's worth 875000 and despite being an unrestricted signing, he remains a restricted free agent next summer because the NHL doesn't like its labor moving around, but who's counting? What do we think about Nail? <laughs> I like the signing, even if he eats, you know, Russian nachos for 82 games. Uh, they need an NHL wing. And the fact that he has a, a potential that may still exist, uh, at least is intriguing for me. I mean, I, I do not hate this. I'm a little down on this one. I I don't see a high success percentage. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, it's a scratch-off ticket and you know, you're paying a dollar to maybe win twenty thousand, that kind of thing. But uh, what's probably going to happen is he's going to be just as bad as he's always been. And then what do you do? I mean, you know, is the staff going to let him keep taking time away from someone in the AHL who probably deserves it, and you know, might might kind of help the team more down the road? You know, they, they've had a 
they've had a problem giving up on guys when they should. So that, that's a little concerning. But. <laughs> I can't quit you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> can't quit you, babe. But, um, you know, if he ends up being a, an okay second power play guy and not terrible 5v5, then, you know, I think they've done really well. I just yeah, I, I think he gives the team an opportunity to – <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it gives the team an opportunity to be a little flexible with its younger players, too. I mean, if A.J. Greer's not quite ready to go, you know, you might send him down to San Antonio for 20 games. Uh, now you've got at least a guy who's played in the NHL for a little bit, you know, who can fill up a third or fourth line role. I I just don't, I think it's such a, you know, minimal signing that I have a hard time getting worked up over the player. And he has some intriguing underlying, you know, uh, metrics too. It's uh, analytically, it looks like he's trending up, even when, uh, you know, the points on paper don't quite look that way. Well, that's what happens when you play a scoring forward on the fourth line for ten minutes a night. <laughs> right. Well, going um, forward, what do you guys see as a positive outcome for doing this, and how likely do you think that is? Well, this is a one-year deal, um, so I'm going to look at the length of the deal, and the best outcome is that the Avalanche are way more watchable with with this guy in their forward core than they were last season. It is a massive upgrade in my desire to watch the games, because you can have um, you know John Mitchell, or you're going to have this guy. <laughs> at least it's interesting, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but I don't have high expectations. I mean, if he turns out to be a third-line right wing who scores 12 goals, um, that to me is a success. Absolutely. And it's an improvement. He, has, do you think he I, hasn't scored 12 goals since he had 14 in 2014, by the way. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he's also a possible been, scenario. He's also been yanked around four coaches in four years. He's... Uh, been yanked around with his ice time. He's like, he's not. Someone I think it was five coaches in four years. It, it actually. may have been that. It's well. I mean, yeah. does it really count when they were expecting to transition from Hitchcock to Yo? <laughs> in the middle of the year. Count? I think it does actually because there was there was a big difference in how he you know how everything went in St. Louis between Hitch and, and Yo. So okay. Um, it de- it didn't sound like he and Yo kind of saw eye to eye on what he should be doing. I think Hitch had a little bit more patience with him. But that he does not seem like a Mike Yo type player. Time of the year too. I mean, you know, a- any coach would have been more patient in the fall than he would be in the spring. Yeah, but I mean, we're gonna be uh, we're, we've added skill to the roster uh, that was sorely missing. Now we just gotta convince Yakubov to use it. He will, he will disappear. We'll forget he's on the team for a while, and then we'll remember that he's there and go, why are you scoring points? And we'll go, oh, yeah, you're only making $875,000, and if you don't do anything, <laughs> we don't have to qualify you. So, oh, right. well. If they cut him in the middle of the year, I will, it would hardly shrug. <laughs> yeah, sure. Good, I, I, good, well, good try. I, I just hope they're willing to do that. You know, I, I hope they're willing. Like, if it's just really not working out after 20 games, they're like, look, you know, you're you're going to be happier over in Russia, and, and so will we. So, you know, let's just end this. Yeah. Yeah. What so, do you guys think about the? 
what do you think about the Sackett comment? <laughs> How he sees him as a top uh, six. Did we um, hear that forwards. from? Gonna say, he's going to be a really good bottom sixer for us. You know? Did we hear that from Sackett, or did we hear that from Igor Larionov? Yeah, I think that came through his agent, so I, I don't necessarily buy it myself. It was in the article, I think, from the Avs. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, but I mean, well that, he's not wrong. That's the kind of player that he is. It's whether he's good enough to do it in the NHL or not. It's the and I think Patrick's perfectly right to say that it, you, when you sign a guy. You're not going to, you know, hedge your bets when you're signing a guy like that. You say, like, hey, you know, this guy's got top six talent. I fully expect him to be in our top six. You know, and he should. If all goes well, he will be, you know. But, I mean, it's just extremely unlikely that happens. Um, I think a big part of this also is going to be what our new power play and offensive coach, Ray Bennett, is going to do with him. You know, mm-hmm. that, that was Spoilers. a role. Yeah, I, I think, you know, being able to work with a coach like that is kind of going to be the difference between him floating around and, and actually being a, a useful player on the ice. So uh, Counterpoint, where was Bennett last season? Well, let's see. He was in St. Louis. Hmm. <laughs> but I think uh, the uh, the silliest take that I've seen from this signing is, well, what if he has a good season and then Colorado sign him to a stupid contract and he's never good again? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, how many points would he have to score for a silly contract? I'm thinking like a hundred. You know, I mean, <laughs> if he does that, you're laughing because you probably have won the cup um, yeah. or at least been close and at, the, at that point you've got different problems to solve so, <laughs> what if he's good <laughs> then pay he, him if, if he's good hard. and the team isn't then guess who's going to add a first round pick to our draft class next season mm-hmm. yeah do you think Ray Bennett had anything to do with the signing I think you vouched for him I don't know. That's I mean that's something I've been wondering since they announced the, the signing on Fridays. You know, obviously no one would know better on the abs. the power play uh, guy. <laughs> I, I would no. certainly hope they would at least ask, like, "Hey, um, give us like we obviously trust you enough to add you to our team. Give us your thoughts on what it was like working with this guy before we take our million dollar flyer on him." Yeah, I mean it's you know the the worst thing would be is if they actually just they just you know made this deal you know, Thursday or something like that. And, and Bennett came in and was like, man, you guys should not have signed that guy. He's awful. You know, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, oh, you, you have to figure that, that the Bennett thing was, was sort of in the works for a long time. So he, he had a little bit of say in this. St. Louis. That's where you were last year. <laughs> that's where you came from. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't see there's any way. I, I think Bennett's probably been in the works, you know, unofficially for a little while here. There's no way he didn't have a say in this. Yeah. It's uh, too convenient. But as soon as I saw that St. Louis wasn't qualifying um, Yakubov, I was reached, uh, like immediately thinking, this is exactly the kind of guy the Avalanche should take a flyer on because the, the team is probably not going to be very good anyway. Um, and he's not going to have a whole lot of money attached to him. There's very little risk here. Very, right. very little risk here. Yeah. Again, the only risk is if they they don't cut bait when they should. Right. And, 
that's just something you have to hope for. Yeah, which Not is with anyone. Yeah, I mean that is a thing they've had a history of struggling with. As I shifted my chair while I taught, so I can't cut it. That was smart. Um, but like, <laughs> it, that's that's the only worry is that they tie themselves to them. But I I think the existence of a one year very close to league minimum deal is already not tying themselves to them. The worst case scenario is they have a, a replacement level player for a replacement level contract. Yeah. And it's over in a year. So I'm a big fan. And, uh, yeah. Hmm. Well, Finally, who's uh, left? We, we had a, we had a couple of AHL moves as the team bring back old friend, Andrew Agazino, add defenseman, David Warsawski. And re-sign goaltender Joe Canada. Um, I think you know. I think we're all happy that Ags is back. Um, Definitely. You know, he 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 played ten games for the Abs. I think he had three points. Three assists. Um, yeah. Um, you know that that's good depth. He's really good in the AHL he, with the Wolves last year. I think he had fifty points. So. He's going to be really good for San Antonio, and, and you know, if you need a forward, you can always call him up, and, and he knows what's going on. Um, yeah, not much to say there. It's just happy to have him back, Gabe, for Andrew. Yeah, and Warsawski is a he's a guy who played on a really good team and had a what looks like an outlier year. You know, he's usually been sort of like a you know four points in 10 games kind of guy in the AHL. And he, he was almost point per game last year with uh, Wilkes Bar Scranton. Um, it's a little troubling, but it, his skill set is something that the, the rampage really lacked last year. And that being a, a guy that can score and move the puck. So um, they kind of had to overpay him a little bit. That's a little bit troubling, but I, you know, it's just that I think that's kind of what, you have to do to get people to go play in San Antonio at this point. Probably true. Mm-hmm. And now let's and... all scratch our heads. <laughs> Is this where sound effect comes in? <laughs> and Joe Canada was was not good last year for Hershey. They traded Cody Corbett, who is not going to be resigned for him towards the end of the year. Um, so it's Canada, not Canada. Canada, yeah. Okay, it sure looks like it could be Canada. Canada, Canada. You can say Canada if you want. Um, but he came wrong. in and he played a few games for the, the Rampage towards the end of the year, and he wasn't very good. But the team wasn't very good either, so who knows. Um, he was like 875, same percentage, not very good. So Yeah, he's pretty leaky. Um, yeah, I'm not too jazzed about it. Uh, word on the street is we probably won't see him in San Antonio anyway um, because the, the goalie that the, the Blues actually kind of like in their system – uh, they might have to send someplace besides Chicago since Las Vegas is taking their affiliation. So he might end up in, in San Antonio and sort of a, I'm, what I'm guessing is going to be a split role with Spencer Martin. So looks like old Joe's probably going to be with the Eagles or maybe practice goalie, something like that. I don't know. He got the league minimum in the AHL. And, you know. Are we uh, spoiling a segment with uh, the St. Louis talk here? Not really. I, I, yeah. <laughs> we, I mean, I mean uh, we can talk about it if you want, but you know, the, the rumor is that the Blues are going to send some players uh, to the Rampage since they don't have an AHL affiliate. 
which would explain why the Avalanche have been so quiet with minor league signings, right? Huh. I don't think I, I don't think they're going to get many. Uh, I just I don't, I don't think you can send a lot of anybody to any one team. Um, you know, I, I think I, I think what the Blues will end up doing is sending most of their guys, you know, as many as the, of their guys as they can to Chicago because a it's close and b it's what they have a, a relationship with in the past. But they need a place to put. You know that they need a, a a place to put a good goalie. San Antonio fits that. Uh, one of our posters, who's a, a Blues fan as well as being an Avs fan, was was positing whether maybe Clean Coaston might show up at, in San Antonio this year, which I think would be a great deal. Um, but as far as anyone else, it, supposedly there, there's going to be some announcements about this in the next few weeks. So. We'll we'll know more about how that relationship's going to work soon. Hope so, because that's a strange little uh, strange little experiment that that could turn out to be. Um, but let's uh, let's keep moving here before we get to the moves not made or not done yet. We've got one more addition to the Avalanche coming behind the bench. It's the long-awaited and long-hoped-for and long-rumored and long-joked uh, about and half-seriously and finally happening signing of UC Parkilla. Parkila, you see something. Juicy Parkila. Finnish goaltending coach Simeon Varlamov has worked with several times in the past. Boy, that was probably the worst sentence rate I've ever had on the show. Uh, he's had a long <laughs> European and Russian career and hopefully will do well here in North America too. The Avs have also signed Ray Bennett, longtime NHL assistant coach, to join Jared Bednar and Nolan Pratt as, again, an assistant, as uh, we have spoiled for you earlier in the show. So um, I am all aboard the UC Parkila train, always have been. Uh, this should have happened long ago. <laughs> yeah. No more excuses, Varley. This is your guy. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it's, you know, I, I don't know if, if I know enough about goalies to say whether, you know, this is going to be a, a really big change in the organization, but the you know, the thing is right now, you basically have Varley and Spencer Martin as your, you know, sort of house goalies. I mean, you know, it'd be nice if this guy could work with Bernier and make him better, yada, yada. But, you know, Bernier's only going to be here for one year, probably. Um, So he's going to be starting off with sort of a small stock of of goalies to work with. And, you know, I, I think that's a good way to start out in your first year as an NHL goalie coach. Yeah, you still have to wonder how uh, directly involved he will be compared to his predecessor. Um, I mean, both of these gentlemen are European-based, and they don't live here. And, you know, as goalie coaches, aren't really expected to be full-time. Yeah. I mean, I I think, you know, I I would think he's going to be pretty full-time for the first few months of the season, at least. The thing is, you know, it's like, where is he going to go when he's not coaching? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not like he can go back to Quebec. You know, he has to go all the way back to Finland to go hang out. So I don't think he's going to be flying back and forth from Finland. So hmm. you know, he's probably going to be in Denver and you know around full time. Uh, they need it badly. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Avalanche have to get something out of Spencer Martin. Um, you know, or else their next three or four years are going to look ugly unless they can trade for somebody. They just got nothing coming up. I mean, they need him to become an NHL goalie, and he was 
not last year and not that it was expected to be, but they need better. I mean, I don't sell Marty short because of how terrible he looked after his, you know, that first couple of games. You right. Know, it's like Pickard had the same problems and, you know, I, I think last, last season is going to be looked on as an outlier for both guys. Yeah, but, I, I certainly hope so. <coughs> you know, I, I think Martin is is well on his way to to developing. It's just, you know, it's it's so hard to see through the clouds of last year as to sort of where he really was. Right, young goalie too. I mean, he, it was a pretty full full workload for him. Uh, you know, I, I bet he comes in in better shape and better expectations. Uh, you know, something to prove too because he wasn't good in San Antonio when he went back down too. So. Uh, let's see it. Yeah. But I, you know, he's got, Martin has talent. Um, so I'm, I'm not all that worried as long as, as long as Parkila and, you know, I'm assuming Jean-Yan Filiatro is going to stay in San Antonio, but maybe with sort of a new, uh, coaching style influenced by the, the avalanches goalie coach. Um, so we'll see how that works out. Um, It'll be interesting for him to be influenced by a goalie coach after last year. Yeah. And as far as Ray Bennett goes, this guy's curriculum vitae looks like exactly what we wanted. Um, you know, the guy's, he, he's been doing the pre-scouts, which is what that guy that, that we don't want to talk about anymore did last year because he, you know, he wasn't very effective and got kicked upstairs. Um, but he's, the main thing he's done is work with the power play and offense. And that was, uh, you know, if I'm remembering correctly, that was a big problem in, in Colorado last year. So, <laughs> <laughs> Earl, you're remembering correctly. I assure you. <laughs> yeah. your, your powers of recall are just, just to be commended. Yeah. Got and one if, of those photographic memories? Yeah, <laughs> sort of. Um, but, it, you know, if you look at the, the, the Blues power play record over the past, uh, he's been there 10 years, 11 years, something like that. You know, they're always, you know, really good at that. So, and, and I know personnel makes a lot of difference in that, but, you know, you still have to take that personnel and have a plan. And he seems to have a plan. So that that's very encouraging. Um I think it's also good for for Jared Bednar because, you know, this guy is older than he is and he's more experienced, but he's not going to be a head coach. Um, doesn't seem to have any designs on it. So it, it's sort of a, a good mentor that's not a threat relationship. Um, and I, I think that could make Jared Bednar a lot better coach. I'm interested to see where he takes this team on the power play or even how they set up in the offensive zone. I'm just uh, – uh, interested to see somebody turn some of these very high draft picks and these very high ceiling players into something functional. Um, I mean, next season's worth watching. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Bennett could end up being the most important off season acquisition the Avs make, you know, if they can go from two goals per game, which is unbelievable in itself, even if they get up to, to two and a half, which is still awful. Whoa there. Whoa there. Yeah. That, that's a big improvement. If they get up where Bring they probably in. should be, like historically the abs are around a two and, you know, 2.75 a game team. Um, you know, if he can get them, 
another three quarters of a goal per game. That would be huge. I mean, that that's that's going to be the difference. I mean, they could probably make the playoffs with that. <laughs> you, you may call two goals a game unbelievable, but I watched that team, and it's very believable. <laughs> it took me a while. I had to pinch myself a few times, but indeed, it was real. So should yeah. we get to the uh, stuff that we don't have anything to talk about yet? Sure. So the biggest deal still to come belongs to Nikita Zadorov. His agent has been up in the media making KHL threats lately. Um, how are, does that worry you? Um, I'm going to go ahead and spoil that. No. Um, and uh, <laughs> and, what, and what are we expecting to happen here? Well, I think his agent's clearly doing what he needs to do, you know, for leverage, even though it's not much. I mean, hold on. All those guys just watched an entire team fold and, you know, not honor any of the contracts. So uh, the KHL is in a rough spot right now, and it's not as big of a threat as it used to be. Yeah, Um, they don't have the the leverage of arbitration since he's coming off his ELC. So, you know, this is probably one of the only tactics left open to him. So... It's not a surprise that they're using it. Right. And we've got, we'll credit Adrian Dater here, who clearly has a very good source on this that says it's not a big deal. The same the thing. Yeah. And uh, I'm inclined to believe him. Yeah, this is what every player agent for every good Russian player does. It comes time for a contract. If, hmm. if, you, don't, Russia? if you don't throw a thousand times what they should be getting at them, then the agent says, we could just go to Russia if we don't find a deal. And then yeah, we yeah. all say, yes, obviously you could. Now let's be real. <laughs> right, and we know, like, the word on the street is that Mrs. Z really likes living in America where it's warm and stuff. So that's probably going to be the biggest leverage anyway. Right. They make <laughs> Miami their off-season home. Uh, they ain't going back to St. Petersburg or <laughs> Moscow. Do they really live in Miami in the summer? Yeah. Always, that's where he's been training. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I had no idea. Well, I mean, there's plenty of big Russian dudes in Miami Beach, right? Yeah. <laughs> there's plenty of dudes from everywhere down there. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, I you know, I, I agree with Dater. I think this is going to get done by the end of the month. Um, sure. Both sides are posturing. I mean, you hear lots of rumors that that they're they've settled on a term. Pretty much, it's just the money right now. So, what do you think the term is? I think it, it can't be anything but two years. Yeah, you know? I, I just I, nothing else makes sense. Like if, if you're gonna if you're gonna start jacking up the price, then you have to really go long on term. Like I think this is the kind of deal that if it's not two years, it's got to be six or seven. You know? Right. I mean, that's I guess what I was asking. You guys hope it's a long term deal. I don't think I, I just you know if he's willing to take a really low dollar one, yeah. But I don't I just I don't see why he would. You know, if price is, is kind of the sticking point now, then that, that seems like it would be less possible. So, Do you think you can get in, like, at a, you know, a somewhat reasonable dollar amount for six or seven years? I mean, let's say $4 million? I think, I mean, that would be really tempting. Um, Wouldn't it? I mean... It's just, it's you're basing it off not much. You know, it's, it's a real crapshoot to go seven years on that. I just... With how risk averse the Avalanche are, I just don't see them being interested in that. I mean, you could win so big with that deal, but yeah. it's, it's you know if he turns out and he totally sucks two years from now, you know that's just a total pain in the ass. 
it's just a real shame that he spent so much time at the end of the season injured because we saw him yeah. making such strides, saw him getting so much better and so much more consistent. And it, yep. it sucks for him that that's going to hurt how much of a payday he's going to get. And it sucks for the Avalanche that they just don't really know what's going to be coming back, like how long it's going to take him to get back to that, how much better than that he will get if he'll get back to that. So I know. It's, I think it's, a short-term deal makes the most sense for everybody. Yeah, because if he didn't get injured, I think it'd be a lot easier to go higher on price for the Avs. I mean, it's it's understandable if they're like, look, you know, it's like we'd love to give you this, but it's just he did this for twenty games. You know, how are we supposed to justify that? So yeah, I just you know want one of those defensemen like the Kings have that you know sign long term for four million dollars a year, and they're really good. And yeah. the reason they did so is because they took chances on him early when they saw flashes. Uh, yeah, I want that Jake Muzzin deal on Nikita Zdorov. I mean, yeah, give it to me. The Roman Yosi deal. I mean, there's a lot of those around. Yeah, I mean, that's how you avoid paying Tyson Berry $6 million a year. Exactly. If he hadn't been injured all spring, they'd be in a position to do that because they would have a better idea of whether he's actually that guy. But yeah. Yep. That's not the reality we live in, and it sucks. I know. Yeah, it's 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 put both sides in a tough place to negotiate from. So it's not any kind of surprise that it's taken a little bit longer than we'd like. Plus, how yeah. bad the team was to watch without him. Yeah, <laughs> it sucks for him, the team, and for you and me. So, probably no Russia. Hope probably a short term deal. Probably done pretty soon. Mm-hmm. And if it's yeah. long term, then we'll, uh, well, we'll 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 see what happens. Yeah, I mean, if two years, three million, tomorrow, something like that. I think it'll if be more he counts tomorrow, he's getting seven years at, at four million. You know, I, I'll be happy that the deal got done, but it, you know, it's still something like, man, I, I I'm not sure about this. Right. <laughs> I feel a little bit sketchy. Um, we've got a few quick hits to run through here. Matt Nieto's filed for salary arbitration. Um, I can't imagine what his leverage for doing so is, but. I, all Long they, Beach, California. All, all I can imagine is that the uh, the Avs ask was nowhere near what he and his agent were expecting. I don't know what he could expect though. If he's expecting anything over a million dollars, it's just kind of like what? <laughs> yeah, you you were waived last year, bud. <laughs> yeah, I mean his qualifying offer is I think seven seventy five. So I mean it's like if the Avs are you know my. My open was they're they're probably offering like one year at one or maybe two years at not one point eight total. Mm-hmm. I think either would be fine for him. Yeah, I wouldn't balk at a two year deal. I mean, he's young enough; he could probably earn it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he's a fu- he was a fine addition. We all liked having him on the team, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. arbitration, like, what do you what do you think you're worth here, bud? I don't think. I mean, I don't think he filed thinking it would go to arbitration i just you know i think i think it's just setting a date to get it done i mm-hmm. I, I think that's probably true i also think it's kind of an added little bit of a fuck you to it like really that's what you offered come on <laughs> i don't know i mean maybe i watch too much baseball but you know arbitration is just not that big of a deal it's like oh okay well we'll get it done this way fine there's no uh subtext to it you know yeah that's just not how it works in the nhl players go to arbitration and then they leave the team <laughs> yeah. Happen Agazino. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, Mikhail was not qualified and apparently could find no NHL suitors. He signed with Seska of the KHL. 
which is also the team that supposedly is courting Mr. Z. <laughs> Reportedly. He's definitely after Coach Z. Um, other well, qualified... denies, Siska denies talking to him, so that's, that's the interesting part of that. Eh, of course they do. Uh, other qualified RFAs who have not signed yet and did not apply for arbitration include Rocco Grimaldi, Felix Girard, who doesn't have arbitration rights, Gabriel Bork, and Duncan Siemens. You'll never go away. I was curious whether they were going to qualify Siemens or not, and apparently they are. They did. I don't see the downside in qualifying. I mean, nope. it's he's something that they don't have in the organization. No, nope. you know, he's going to give it, us at least another year to beg to call him up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I wouldn't honestly be that surprised if he starts on left D on opening night. I wouldn't be surprised if he's the top pair lefty in San Antonio and the captain. Um, you know, he can fill a lot of roles. He's cheap. Um, you know, I, I assume that the fact that they qualified him mean he's, means he's willing to stay in the organization. I think if he didn't want to be in the organization, um, he wouldn't have been qualified. So... You know, I, I, he wants to stick around, so great. Yeah, there's no reason to, to throw a qualifying offer at him if he wants out, because the team has shown absolutely no inclination to give him a fair shake. Like, you're going to get a couple of games in the NHL here and there. Good luck. Yeah. So either that's what he has earned, you can think that, or the team just has a strange lack of trust in him, you can also think that. Depends on how much faith you put in his imaginary awesomeness. But let's just jump to it since we're on the subject. Who will fill out the NHL roster next season? There's only four NHL defensemen, including Zadorov, that are signed right now. We expect Andre Mironov to join the big club. Um, there's not motivation for him to leave Russia for San Antonio. Uh, but then it's a dogfight with Chris Begraw, Anton Lindholm, Sergei Boykov, Duncan Siemens, Nick Balazs. I mean, there's a lot of names that could fill that role that just are not proven to do so yet. So... I mean, maybe Duncan Siemens is that guy. Yeah, I mean, right now, if they don't do anything else, it's pretty much between Duncan and Begraff for that, uh, I don't know, let's call it the, the third pair left left D spot. Mm-hmm. I think Lindholm will make the abs, um, and I think he'll probably start in front of Marinov. I think Marinov's probably going to spend the first 20 games of the season sort of getting used to, you know, North America – you're doing things you'd probably want a player to do in San Antonio, but he's going to be in Denver doing it with the Avs. Um, so you're telling me that by the beginning of November, we're going to be hashtagging free Miro? Um, I, it depends. It, the, the thing with him and Lindholm is they're both left-handed defensemen that play on the right side. So if, if one of them can move over to the left spot, then that sort of changes the big rod Siemens dynamic over there. Um, but I'm just not sure. Like I've watched Anton for a year now, and, and he's definitely better on the right side. He can play on the left side, okay. But it's just, you know. And, and like I said with Miranov, I don't think coming over to North America and learning a totally different ice size and you know, basically a new game compared to the KHL is is a great time to be switching sides because it, it's it's a bigger deal than people make it out to be. Yeah, I, I definitely think he gets like a game or two in that first 20 games, but and he's going to lay a couple of hits that's going to make everybody clamor for him. But, you know, there's going to be a learning curve there. Yeah. I mean, if I had I mean, to guess, I, again, if they do nothing else, 
I would guess that that Bigra, Lindholm, and and uh, Miro are going to be your your bottom pairing, and you know, Nacho seventy, yeah. yeah. And they're you know, it's just sort of going to be a, a gong show. Whoever's playing well will play that night. <laughs> but it's just you know, if it sounds great on the surface, but if you think about it, you know, it's like Bigra didn't play in the NHL last year. Miro's never played in the NHL, and Anton played what ten games. So, um, and and Duncan's only ever had a couple of cups of coffee, so right. And it's so it's just you're 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 kind of you know again I I love the play the kids philosophy, but it's just that 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 might be a little too much play the kids. That's going to be a dogfight in training camp, and yeah. I'm not sure when the last time we saw that on defense was. Avalanche, despite having really terrible defense, have always seemed to be pretty set going into training camp of who's going to. You know, be their top six. Yeah. Well, there's you gotta a, make that you gotta play them, right? There, there's a reason yeah. for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I've got an article bouncing around in my head that I may actually write um, in the next couple of weeks. But there's a reason for that, and I think a lot of it is that this team and developing defensemen are uh, not synonyms at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just they, and like you said about the trust issue with Duncan. They do not trust young players on defense. And, you know, maybe they shouldn't. But if you don't give them a little bit of trust, they can't pay you back by playing well. So mm-hmm. you, you, it's, it's got to be a two-way street there. You know, it's yeah. if, if they give, you know, I can see a situation where, you know, like Lindholm plays the first five games, they put Miro in for a few games and you know he either plays well or maybe he doesn't and they they sort of take a couple weeks after those three games working on him on, with what they saw in the games and then he comes back and you know that's how they're going to develop him. Mm-hmm. That's uh, not, and that's not a bad plan considering the team's not expecting to be very good anyway. It's an excellent plan. That's how you develop defensemen. It's like once they're past the AHL, you bring them up and play them for a few games in the NHL, see what they do wrong, and say like, all right, this is what we need to work on, bud. And wait, wait, wait. Next- you don't send them back to the <laughs> AHL for half a season <laughs> or never to be seen <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's like you keep doing that with rotating through, hopefully, you know, two out of those three guys with Bigar, Lindy and, and Miro are going to be playing well enough that you can play them 10 minutes, at least a night. Um, and, and hopefully by the end of the season, you know, that's, you know that's that's a, a solid bunch of guys that you're going to have, and maybe by then you're you're having you know maybe a little competition between Barbario and one of those guys for a spot, and you know mm-hmm. crazy things can happen. You guys, I'm looking at the uh, cap friendly lineup here. Uh, we mentioned earlier the Avalanche only have four defensemen signed. It just makes me realize that there's no Boschman or Stewart listed on there anywhere, or any player like them. <laughs> Well, that's nope. not I mean, true. If you go down a little bit further, it says buyout history. There they are. No, no, no. I'm not scrolling down that far. I don't want to look <laughs> okay. at it. Okay. <laughs> you, you don't want to. I don't care if they're paying them or not. Salary or anything like that. <clears throat> I don't care if they're paying them. I just don't want to play them. Right. I mean, it's, I I did this a couple of days ago on Twitter. You just you compare the opening night roster from last year to what we're expecting to to come up this year and. It's hard to tell how much better it really will be, but man, it's going to be better to watch. Mm-hmm. And the great thing when you think long term, it's like maybe maybe a year from now we're talking about Timmons and and uh, Makar. Yeah. 
in the mix for spots. Right. At least, at least in camp. Um, so, you know, there, there's help on the way. Be really, be really, be really, be really helpful for this team if Makar was a one and done. I think, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. A lot of people are saying Timmons might be closer. Wow. Um, and I could see that. Yeah. Do you think uh, Malash falls down, you know, on that pecking order because of Timmons? I mean, I, I think he, he kind of has to just because he's right-handed, but you know, he's also older and more experienced. Um, you know, we're, we're getting far off into things like, you know, then we're talking about, does Barry stick around? Is it time to move EJ? Yada, yada, yada. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, that conversation is going to happen this year. guys are in the picture for the NHL. Things could be radically different. Mm-hmm. Man, Eric Johnson signed for a long time. Yeah, he's a good dude. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he won't make it that far. There's no way. He lists 19 teams he can be traded to. That's his modified no trade clause. But I mean, the the deal is good now and is going to be good for a couple of more years. But will it still be good in 2022? And would the abs be good in time to use it? I mean, those are conversations we'll have to have moving forward. Well, he'll still be younger than we signed Francois Beauchemin. Yeah. <laughs> he'll still only be 34 by the end of that contract. And the, great thing, the, the great thing with EJ is that he's such a good skater that even as he tails off, he's not tailing off to really bad levels. Uh-huh. Um, so it's, Assuming you know, he stays that good of a skater. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it, you know, when he starts to become less and less and less of a good skater, you know, he's starting at such a high point that, you know, you're, you're going to be able regress to, to average. Him. Yeah, you're going to be able to use him for a little bit longer, and, you know, he will be more de- he will be desirable to other teams for longer. Yeah, depending on how much the cap is ballooned by that point, he, it may be a guy that you have to retain a little bit of salary on, but. Mm-hmm. But he's also a big leader in, in the in the room, so um, there's a dynamic there that goes beyond playing defense. Yeah. Put a letter on a shirt. Yeah. I don't and know it, why they haven't. I think got to this year. Yeah. Absolutely got to. I mean, I honestly, I, I see him on the team longer than Barry for sure. Well, we'll see. How about Matt Duchesne? Do you see him on the team longer than Matt Duchesne? <laughs> is that ever going to happen that's no. a good question Bob <clears throat> no it's never going to happen ever he's going to resign for six more years and then we're going to be talking about it for another half decade <laughs> it's god remember when this team had Matt Duchesne, Ryan O'Reilly and Paul Stastny <laughs> right that was a thing at once upon a time, right? Centers for days and would never need another center again. I don't know. AJ seems to be pretty sure, you know. I don't know if he's sure or optimistic that a deal with Columbus is going to get done before the season. Hmm. Um, you know, and, and just sort of pulling tweets and whatnot around the league. Um, you know, it's, it sounds like people seem to think that's that's probably going to get done. Yeah, Aaron Portsline seems to kind of have a similar opinion on it. Like, he's a, he's kind of has his ear to that as well. Yeah, Portsline being the beat writer for the Columbus Post-Dispatch. 
and recently I've started following the blues beat writer because of the, the situation in San Antonio and whatnot. And, and he thinks that Deshane's going to go to Columbus before the season starts. Are they uh, zeroing in on the same deal? I don't know. Everyone I thought mean, he was going to go to Carolina before the draft, too. And then False Bobo thought he was going to go to Nashville. <laughs> I, you know, I have a feeling. I, I I have a feeling. I know what the Abs are probably asking for. I can see why Columbus probably wouldn't want to give that up. But <laughs> is it Seth Jones? No, I mean, it's, <laughs> like I don't think they want Ryan Murray, and and it's no. easy to understand why. And you can make a case like, well, he's not a third-pairing defenseman on most teams, but it's just, you know, he's not that good. But, you know, I, I think they probably want Gabriel Carlson, who is, you know, he's not – I think he might technically still be a rookie, but he played a bunch for him last at the end of last year. I, I think his age sort of puts him right where the Avs might like to have a new guy. Um, you know, and then the other component would be some sort of forward – I'm sure probably the first ask would be Pierre Luc Dubois, which you know would get a, a pretty quick no. And maybe Bjorkstrand, which would probably get another no. But you know, you keep going back and forth and asking them enough times, maybe they'll say yes. Or maybe you get enough in futures to where you don't need the forward. I'd like one of the. I mean, if you're if you're trading away Duchesne, getting PLD or Bjorkstrand would really yeah that, that would make that so much less painful. Mm-hmm. So hopefully it'll happen because here's the thing. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. It's getting rough. I, every every thread cannot be the trade Matt Duchesne thread. Just like every thread was the trade Ryan O'Reilly thread. I, I can't do this again. It's been yeah. a lot of years of trade this guy thread. And it probably won't stop either. But it, It'll no. probably never stop. But It's like that on every team, though. It's just, but it's is it hard. always like some of your best forwards? Or most likable players, the the jersey that everybody's wearing in the stands, is it always that guy? Because something tells me it's not trade Jonathan Taves thread, you know? It's not trade Alex Ovechkin thread. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe you're hovering around those message boards more than I am. Maybe <laughs> on that second one. If you... <laughs> Maybe. Sure. <laughs> Ian Washington's kind of doing the fire sale thing right now, or trying to, right? Washington's but, do, doing that. Please, please extend our window thing. Because mm-hmm. they kind of felt, and rightfully so, like last year was like their shot, and they ran into goaltending. Strange how that continues <laughs> to happen to that team. And they totally fucked up their expansion draft. <laughs> how, can and, you, how can you lose Johansson and Nate Schmidt? <laughs> right? I mean, and they had no draft picks this year at all. Nope. <laughs> I don't think they picked until the fourth round. <laughs> That's the price of getting Kevin Shattenkirk for a couple months. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe other teams are doing to be able this, to move but... on with our lives. That that the best thing for everyone would be to to figure out something and do it. But yeah, I mean, the hardest quite a while. Yeah, the hardest part is I like watching Matt Duchesne play, and he's been my favorite player of mine since 2009, and it hurts. And if it's going to hurt, I want it to hurt short amount of time. I want it to go away quick. Yeah, rip that Band-Aid off. I need to be like Carmelo Anthony. I need to be like Troy Tulowitzki. 
or even Ryan O'Reilly. Just rip the Band-Aid off. I got over it. I'll get over it again. But I, I can't have it linger. It hurts me too much. I just don't think it's a good dynamic to have in the team going into the season. No, it's not. If but- you're starting over and you have something that you really don't want to start over with, then it's just you're not really starting over either. And it's- I mean, that's the part I disagree is I, I think they could do it, and I think they could be successful with it. And this is the same team that brought Ryan O'Reilly back after his holdout, after the lockout, and they had the best season in franchise history. So, But that was purely money. Yeah. That was just a money disagreement. That wasn't a, I want out of this franchise. <laughs> I don't care how well you make up on, in this situation. It's still going to be hanging over everyone. I mean, sure. You know that oh, it's the, not going away. Yeah, but I, mean, I think they could be successful on ice with it. I don't know. I mean, it just—I I still think that Planet Toronto will be publishing stories on Matt Duchesne on the trade block until of he's course. gone. So until that's he, just until he's not a Maple Leaf in another way. <laughs> exactly. So <clears throat> I, God, I just a silly rumor. <laughs> yep, rip the Band-Aid off, Joe. Spare us. So, what's next? Hmm. Got to sign some AHL guys. Got to get Zadorov done. I think we're actually pretty set for the AHL. I think it's Especially if we got some Blues. Yeah, I, I think if we get a couple, you know, probably two or three Blues players. Um, you know, I, I wrote an article on the, on the Rampage's depth chart this week. And, you know, it's it's not great, but it's it's functional and... You know, it could work. Do you think the Blues might, like, forget about some of their prospects if they play with ours and let us have them? I mean, honestly... <laughs> is that a thing? They're not, they're not going to forget about Uso, their goalie, or Blim <laughs> Costi. <Coasting. laughs> but... Um, no? <laughs> what, what might be good is, is they put some prospects that might have expiring contracts and... You know, maybe that could be sort of a tryout for the Avs that would work well for both clubs. Um, <laughs> What's never that know. guy doing on the doing in in Burgundy? Wasn't he one of ours? <laughs> you know, well they called him up. <laughs> <laughs> they call him up before we do. Is he theirs now? I thought we called him up. No, they called him up today. How did they do that? I don't know. <laughs> Switched about the gate. You in the wrong gate number. Craig Billington kidnapped him. <laughs> All right. Well, well, with that, it's uh, it's August now. We've got uh, <laughs> apart from those signings, we got a big bucket of nothing to to talk about until it's uh, season preseason or season preview time. There's a little bit, you know. It's like we got three guys going to Team Canada's junior, Will Junior's uh, development camp. You got Jost and Timmons and Makar all going there, and that happens early in August. So that's, you know, it's a little newsy. <laughs> we'll have all the uh, the off-season regiments that we get to see on Instagram. Like, oh, man, McKinnon lifts more now. Uh, you know, he's been working on his skating. That, he needs to do more of that, less of the lifting, because his getting bigger and stronger really did not help. 
Yeah, that was crazy last year when he admitted he was up to 220 under Patrick and then went back down to 205 this season. I'm wrong. Just like you, what? Just no, the NHL doesn't have a steroid problem. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like that's the first thing I thought. I was like, 220. Oh my god, that's like two cycles of roids over the summer <laughs> and a lot of calories in between. Shit. Major HGH use. That's a mistake. <laughs> Frequently. Five times a day. And a humongous bowl of spaghetti. Yeah. Uh, McKinnon playing a, like a Nova Scotia Open this week. He shot 79. Yeah, that's nice. neat. I saw yeah. that. I thought that was pretty neat. It's, it's cool that our, that to, to see uh, pro athletes have other interests because there's they have to be such you know robots toward their sport to reach that level. It's, it's right. cool to see them do something else at a high level too. That's why, uh, that's why everyone hates uh, Henrik Lundqvist's band because it's like, how dare you, sir? Yeah, you need to be thinking about hockey all the time like we do. How dare you do this that well and look like that and also have a band? How dare you? <laughs> Actually, I've never heard it. Is it any good? I don't know. It's just not fair. Okay. I remember Jack well. McDowell had a band, the pitcher for the White Sox. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually pretty good <laughs> well um, yeah I mean is that all the news that's all the news that I've seen well shoot do we have any questions we need to answer or what happened there I didn't even look at the thread oh I didn't either let's uh let's, let's just do it live what's in the thread let's do it live Sunday week interview 7917 by Earl 08 wait a minute <laughs> we can't publish that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll get there. Are there any remaining free agency you'd like to see the Avs make a push for, and how likely do you think it is that they will pursue or land said free agent? Uh, no. Nope. I don't think so. But like I, Unless... like, we were, like we were talking before the, the show, I mean, I think they kind of need a lefty if they're not going to go. Um. You know, with, with with all kids on the third pair and seventh guy, um, it just doesn't seem like there's anyone that's worth getting out there. I, you know, I mentioned Yerky Okapaka would be a great name to have. I don't know if he'd be a great left defenseman on the third pair for it. Um, oh, King Forsberg has gone full HF boards on us. Oh boy, <laughs> with the three way trade. Yeah, to Philadelphia, Kevin Fiala. To Nashville, Matt Duchesne and Philly's 2018 third. And to Colorado, Travis Sanheim, Vladislav Kamenev, and Nashville's 2018 first. You know, the only sport you see three-way trades in is basketball. And it's always just to make money work. You just never see three-way trades in real life. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't see that happening. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> something's got to happen, right? Well, I mean, it, it, there's definitely a hole at, at third left D. You know, we, we can say that. Like, I, I don't think that they're saying, like, well, we'll just bring Duncan and, and Bieger in and just see what happens, you know? I mean, I just I don't think that's that's kind of what they're thinking. I mean, I, I think they're going to leave the door open to Matt DeShane trade bringing in a left defenseman that can be used either on the second or third pair or even first, I guess. But uh, right, hoping for a lot. And if that so let's put it this way. I mean, like, if the roster shakes up and there's a hole to fill because of it, <laughs> we see more free agent signing, maybe one more. But uh, otherwise, I, I don't see it at the moment. I, I don't see an upgrade 
you know, on the open market, except for yeah. maybe that third pairing lefty. Yeah, I mean, and there's just I, I don't see anyone that can fill that. I mean, you know, even if they invite one of those guys as a camp invite, which I would guess they'd probably do regardless, just so those guys have to beat someone out to make that work. You know, so so Duncan or Bieger have to beat someone out to be the the third lefty. Um, but it just it it doesn't seem like there's anything out there. Um, you know, maybe. I mean, I can't think of any RFAs or uh, college guys like Will Butcher that aren't going to sign with their teams. You know, I, I just I don't see someone like that filling that role either. So, I mean, if you're going to bring in someone like that, it, it, they pretty much have to be experienced and be a guy like, yep, we can put this guy on our third lefty and, and be happy about it. And hopefully someone beats him out at some point during the year. Um, so, I don't know. But that, that hole, I think they're leaving open for the Duchesne trade. So I guess that's got to happen. <laughs> Best and worst case scenarios for the upcoming season. Uh, the worst case scenario is we repeat last season, and the best case scenario is win the cup. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> Would any of you guys be surprised if the Avalanche improved by 30 points next year? And still miss the playoffs? No, not at all. Yeah. That's 70 I mean, not making the playoffs. Still, I mean, it's a 30-point improvement. They can improve by 30 points and still have a decent shot at first overall. Which NHL sure. organization should we look to for a role model slash blueprint for the Avs going forward, if any? I've, I've said this a few times, and I think that uh, my high hockey's new uh, managing editor has kind of drawn the same sort of comparison. What, what they're doing isn't too far off from what the Maple Leafs did a couple of years ago, but the difference is they don't have the talent coming up out of the A, and they don't have Austin Matthews. <laughs> like, like there's, there's no Matthews, there's no Marner, there's no Nylander. That's because they don't trade stuff for picks. Uh-huh. So, but, I mean, I, I, I'd like to say that's a that's a, a valid way to, to go about building the team, but it just doesn't seem like they can do that. No, so. you, you've got to have the picks to do that. Um, right. Perhaps in next year's draft. Well, Pittsburgh yeah. has won two in a row, so obviously what you need to do is win a lottery to get a generational talent um, and also have the best player of his generation from a different country um, and then add some outstanding wingers on retained salary deals. You also and need to be able to pay your star player a really long contract and have the salary cap go up a whole bunch in the meantime. Yeah. It helps. Basically, you have to get extremely like you have to take calculated risks and get extremely lucky. Yeah. That's the Pittsburgh model. Yeah, I mean, I, I think honestly, I, I think what the Avs need to do is sort of some combination of what Carolina and Columbus have done over the past few years. Um, right. I mean, it's long, but you know, yeah. eventually that's going to work for them. I mean, Carolina's gone way heavy on D, obviously, and they won't trade any away for some reason, so it doesn't really help them. Um, and Columbus has sort of done the same thing with uh, – they're, they're way more forward-heavy. Um, Columbus has a lot of good forwards. So if, if you balanced out those two clubs as far as the talent level, both front and back, um, you know, I think you'd be doing well in about three or four years. 
Yeah, and the one thing that Columbus did is they recognized their surplus and got rid of a forward for a very, very good young defenseman. Yeah. And, you know, you don't necessarily have to have a really balanced system, but use your assets because they're not all going to make the NHL and play meaningful minutes. So, yeah. Go get Seth Jones. Tell that to Ron Francis. When he's trying to sign, you know, his front four next year because they're all RFAs at the same time. And, <laughs> and he's he's got five other defensemen that can take their places, but no, we'll just keep them all. Just hoard them. Yep. But not just a whole lot of questions today. Um, I'd like to know this. Do fish eat shakes? You know, not a lot of questions. Is is the on ice product going to be worth twelve twenty a seat, twelve dollars a seat, based on how much the three hundred level season tickets are? You know, not as a lot that's of questions. That's dirt today. cheap. And is that so cheap? Twelve dollars for an NHL game? Of course, you got to include parking and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, you know what? That's just rock bottom right now. It really is. And uh, I understand why. I mean, I've known some people in ticket sales at that organization, and they've not had a good couple of years. No. I can't um, imagine why. Well, I mean, between the Avalanche and the Nuggets, it's been rough. Um, so, <laughs> good luck to those people if they still have jobs. Haven't talked to you in a while. But uh, $1,000 for a pair of season tickets? Dude, anybody with a company credit card, just do it and write it off at the end of the year. It's a no-brainer. Give them all away if you need to. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. When we had an SBHL team here in Asheville, I think it was like 12 years ago, the, I mean, you couldn't you couldn't get in there for less than 10 bucks. Yeah, I played right. more than that for OKC Barons games. Of course, right. we didn't sit uh, yeah. in the 300 level, but... Hopefully this isn't just the team and it's a market correction in general for all of professional sports that have been charging outrageous prices in arenas for a couple of decades now. Uh, you know, uh, make it an easy decision when you get off work and say, hey, I'll go to the game instead of watching it. Make it priced so uh, in a way that it makes that uh, easier to decide, you know. I'll stay downtown instead of driving home. Yeah, that's uh, you have to make the ticket prices such that you can do it spontaneously. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like when you Especially have to- in the 300 level. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, if, you, if you're thinking like, I mean, you're not going to say like, oh, let's go blow 200 bucks on an abs game right now if you're just sitting in a bar downtown. But if it's like, hey, you know, like for 30 bucks, we could go see the abs right now. Yeah. Why not? You know, it's like baseball games. Right. That's why I go to a dozen Rockies games every year that I don't go to the Pepsi Center and watch because their tickets are so cheap. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I spent a summer. I lived uh, like two blocks away from Fenway Park. And it's just, it was one of those things, you'd be sitting around at like 5.30. Hey, you want to go to the Red Sox game? <laughs> Why not? It's 10 yeah. months. Right. <laughs> you go see a movie, or you could go to a baseball game, about the same price. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know, it, it's a, you can sit at home and watch television. And you know, it's a really good view, and no one's talking behind you, and no one's spilling beer on your shoes and all of that, but also... No one's cheering in unison with you either when something good happens. I mean, uh, that level of elation that you get from going to watch a game is just invaluable. We yeah. all know that. And for 12 bucks a ticket, I guess that averages out too. I mean, that's, that's a bargain. Yeah. Go support the kids. Do it Go. for the kids. Do it for the kids. 
Well, I think that's going to wrap us up for uh, for today, and for unless something crazy happens for the uh, for the foreseeable future, we'll obviously be back for what'll be our good lord fourth season of the of this podcast coming up uh, in probably you know September. But if something ridiculous happens, then you'll hear from us again. Z, in the Z getting signed and Duchesne getting traded on the same day. Yeah. Something like that. Is he getting signed for a ridiculous deal? That'd be a Z-O-M-G day. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> that hurt me physically. <laughs> Jibbles would be proud. I was going to say, I'm not a dad, but I could make a dad joke. Here. Oh, yeah, me too, but wow. <laughs> <laughs> I give up. I can't. I have nothing else to say. I need to clean my ears. The uh, been rendered silent. Well, if, if you haven't been uh, pushed away from the show forever after that one, you can always catch the show on SoundCloud at soundcloudcom podcast or on Mixcloud at mixcloudcom podcast um, I'm on Twitter at stephouse 11 You can shoot into my inbox at milehighhockeypodcast at gmail.com if you are so inclined. Get um, the latest apps, news, and updates at milehighhockey.com. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash milehighhockey and on Twitter at milehighhockey. Um, we are ramping up our uh, content output substantially, and I just did like my number one thing not to do, which is use the word content. We're writing a lot. Um, we're writing a lot of stuff. Some uh, some projects coming up, including uh, you know all the kind of summer stuff you might expect, top 25, under 25, all that good stuff. Keep your eye on the site. Um... Uh, and you can definitely expect to hear from us again in September. If hearing from us again before then is contingent on the abs doing something. So, you know how that goes. But, so anyway, uh, thanks for listening and uh, thanks for helping to always make each season better than last. And thanks to Erwin Ryan for being a very reliable panel. It's nice to know who I'm dependent on every week. You're very welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Steph, for doing the podcast. I think we've got a pretty decent thing going here. We'll see everyone back um, after the three months of August have passed. Whoosh. See ya. Whoosh. Hey, sorry. Just plugging in some headphones. Okay. Um, sorry about that. I was just sitting around waiting for you guys to call. <laughs> we did call. Like you 20, did? When? Yeah, like 20 minutes ago. 15 I mean, minutes and 39 sit- seconds ago. I called you both. Huh. <laughs> no explanation. <laughs> uh, maybe you're just not supposed to be on this show. Skype doesn't want it. <laughs>